0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very
1: special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to the Delirious Nomads podcast, uh, the podcast sponsored by Metal Blade subsidiary Blacklight Media. Unfortunately, Chris is not with us again this week. However, I do have a really good friend of mine, a frequent Thai food eating buddy uh industry luminary as I have become fond of calling him uh Jason Lechberg how are you Jason
0: <laughs> I'm good I will never get used to that title that is uh that is excessive but appreciated I, well I feel like it's a
1: good one because I feel like when you call someone a luminary they're like that's like a good day in your life when someone calls to a luminary
0: yeah that you know definitely, what I mean? definitely is I I feel like I, I might struggle to live up to it but I I will try I can promise that mm, I have faith in you.
1: So, thank you. You obviously do a bunch of really interesting stuff in music. Can you kind of break down what your company, Likebrick Enterprises, is and what you're doing? How it started?
0: Sure. Uh, so, uh, it started because I uh, was I was in the traditional music industry. Uh, I worked in digital marketing, and then I was uh, grabbed up by Epic Records. Where I did digital for a while and then was a product manager uh, and then went to the record label formerly known as 117, now known as Better Noise uh, and did digital there as well as being a product manager. And during my time working at both of those labels, um, I was kind of hatching an idea to fill a hole that I saw developing in the music industry. And that specifically is uh, providing infrastructure for artists who want to own all of their IP. So Leckberg Enterprises builds basically small record labels and marketing companies for each of our clients. So they own everything. They own their music, they own their merchandise, they own the relationship with the consumer, which is the most important. Uh, and we help provide all the infrastructure to make those things happen. So everything from actual manufacturing and replication of physical music. Uh, we deal with the relationship with the distributor to get that music out to the world. Um, we build and maintain the direct-to-consumer store, which also is their website. Uh, and on there, we also sell all kinds of different products from shirts to toys to whatever that makes sense for the band's fan base. Uh, we manage that relationship, and then we help put together and oversee all of the marketing needs from the advertising teams, radio teams, publicity teams all around the world, et cetera. Uh, and basically just power this the artist, empower the artist, that's a better way to say it, uh, to build their own cottage industry that's completely insular and totally vertical. Yeah. And for
1: context, you've done this with Steel Panther, Guar, Dope. Uh, who else am I missing? Who's Static X. Static X, right, yes. Static
0: X. Yeah, and I've, and I've worked with quite a few other artists uh, in, in different facets. Um, you know, it took me, Steel Panther's been with me from the beginning since 2013 when I launched the company. Uh, it took a little while, I think, for the rest of the industry to kind of understand what the model was. Uh, and it definitely took a little while for, for some of them to really believe that it was workable. Um, so I did, I've done quite a few campaigns that were... Not quite as all all encompassing a little more short. You know, they're kind of like, hey, here's an album cycle. So you know, I've done that with Alter Bridge and Sick Puppies and Lamb of God and Judas Priest, and you know, I I can go down the list of a you know Dweezil Zappa and Glenn Hughes and all kinds of amazing artists that I was able to work with on a little bit smaller capacities. Um, But now my current client uh, list are all people who uh, are fully invested in this model uh, and. Basically, we're uh, as as far as I'm concerned, we're going to work together until either I'm dead or they're not uh, bands anymore. Which hopefully I die first. (laughs) Jeez, okay. um, (laughs) And I'm, you know, I'm expanding and growing. I've I've brought in a a few people to uh, to work with me, and so I'm always having conversations with other like-minded artists, independent-minded, and uh, entrepreneurial artists. Uh, and you know we'll see I have a few that I would love to bring in over the next year but hopefully that happens and so okay so there's a few things here because
1: the way you do this is interesting for a few reasons because really not a lot of people have everything in-house the way you described you know I think most people even if very frequently even if you call it your own label it's just calling it that under warner music or whatever
0: yeah very true you know uh you know i think yeah moving towards this model is something that a lot of people in the industry have seen coming uh when i started it was you know label services and now it's called label as a service um and a lot of distributors offer similar things Many of them are very good at what they do. I have a lot of friends at those companies that that work very hard and do good work. Uh, I would just offer that sometimes, because of the amount of artists that they work with and the amount of workload that they have, they aren't able to um, to really give the same focus that I can give yeah. to a client uh, and and really build as robust of a business as I'm able to, because, you know, I really have four main clients. Uh, And that means that I'm, they're getting all of my time. And if I'm doing, you know, 80 hours a week, every, each one of them gets 20 hours a week solid. I pick up my phone when they call, you know, so there's, it's a different level of investment in the business, uh, even though this is not a foreign concept now.
1: Part of the beauty of that too, is that then you end up developing really, like a lot of your ideas for Guar are like. Kind of silly, but really amazing, and I feel like that's where you really shine when you're coming up with like weird Guar toys or marketing ideas. Can you or Steel Panther, where it's essentially the same vein of gross humor? Can you kind of elaborate on how some of that works from both the merch end and the marketing end? Because I've seen you light up. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love it. I absolutely do. I mean, I think, I think one of the things that makes this model most successful is when the artist has a clear, definable brand. Uh, and both of those artists are very, very clear about what their brand is, and they have a very robust and rich brand. You know, Steel Panther and Gore both live in entire worlds that they've created that are outside of what we would consider, you know, the real world. Uh, and so that allows us to really dig deep into the mythology and into, into the lore and to create things that are a little more fantastical. We're not just trying to sell another black t-shirt, you know, so in Steel Panthers world, you know, one of the big wins we've had over the last, uh, five or six years here was our guitar pedals, uh, you know, which happened because, uh, we had a, a downloadable plugin, uh, on a an electronics company site, we'll say, I'm not gonna, I won't call them out anymore. Uh, And a a person found it and found the name offensive and decided to create an open letter on the internet and a petition to get it removed, which caused such a stir that we said, oh, well now there is a market to actually make a pedal called the Pussy Melter. So we did, we made it, Uh, we made a crap load of money and we're on our fourth pedal now. Um, So really living in that world, and understanding that brand allows us to kind of push push the boundaries and create things other people wouldn't. Uh, you know, GWAR being aliens from outer space, and obviously they have a rich history of comic books. They are basically comic book characters. So creating yeah. action figures of those characters is, is just kind of a natural evolution. Um, so that's, you know, been a great one. We're doing multiple different sizes of figures now as well. Um, we're actually... Uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but we uh, we are about to launch. This is kind of out of the bag. We're launching a sex toy shortly, uh, you know, which is something that that we Wait, can do we live in this for gore. Okay. Yeah, we uh, nice. we partnered with a company called Bad Dragon, uh, who are a fantastic manufacturer of sex toys, um, but we're able to really get outside of the box and and you realize that in many cases these are not these are not items that are being bought. Because the person feels like, you know, this guitar pedal is going to be the only guitar pedal I'll ever use, or they will ever even use the sex toy. It is because the because it's funny. It brings people joy. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny thing to have on a shelf, right? You know, sure. when, when we market, especially Steel Panther, and I said this from day one, this was in my initial proposal to them. The opening sentence was, we're going to market this band as an entertainment experience. We're not marketing it as a band. We're basically saying everything we do is going to be entertaining no matter what it is. And you don't want to be the only one who doesn't know the lyrics. So you should probably buy the albums, but that's not the focus of what we're doing. And when you approach it from that angle, it just opens up so many more avenues. Uh, and it, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know um, how much of a TED Talk watcher you are, but <laughs> there's a, a kind of a business philosophy leader by the name of Simon Sinek who has a, a TED talk all about the golden circle, uh, which I, I really love this one. And he talks about how the golden circle is three rings. It's um, what, uh, how, and why. And most people market uh, from the inside out, which is basically like, I have a product, you can buy it here and you should buy it because you kind of want to, or because you like the product. But truly revolutionary companies like Apple market it from the outside in. They say, we are a brand that embodies this specific thing. You can interact with us at this place and we'll sell you everything. And that's really the way that I like to approach artist marketing is I say, okay, what is our brand? Let's get people invested in the brand. And once they're invested in the brand, then we can go anywhere with that.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, so, like, talk about that for a minute. So how are you, especially, like, with Steel Panther, or, like, like are you kind of come in and it's sort of already a thing, you know? Sure. Uh, but, like, with Steel Panther, how do you establish a brand that people can get lost in? How do you build out that lore? Because I've worked with Ghoul a little bit as part of that lore, you know? And I do a bunch of ads, sure. and I've written ad copy, and that's really fun. But, like what does that look like when you sit down and you're like, how do I add to the lore of Steel Panther? What do I, what do I do here? How do I develop ideas for like someone going to sex rehab?
0: <laughs> I mean, I think the first thing is that you have to truly understand the brand. Right. And they did a very good job of defining it. Uh, but one of the things that we definitely did when I first came in was that we really defined who each character are. Uh, and we wrote, we sat down at one point and actually wrote, Uh, you know a character narrative for each character so we understand the motives of each person in the band we understand how they think and when you understand that and then you understand what the band thinks and what the band's motives are then the next thing is okay what assets do we create that begin to tell that story uh in steel panthers case one of the things that has been very very successful is visual assets primarily in the case of music videos Uh, So we spend a lot of time when we make our music videos, thinking about the narrative, thinking about our messaging, making sure the visual fully tells that story and the narrative tells that story. And then we build on that through YouTube series that we've been doing now since eight years, some seven or eight years called SPTV, which is basically the idea because the, the core brand of steel Panther is, this is a band from, you know, 1982 in 2022. Right. So you've got this fish out of water thing happening. They are, they embody the look and the ideals and the, and the, uh, intention of someone from this other place in time. And you put them in a place that they don't fit. And the more that we can do those two things together and allow them to be funny in those environments, then all of a sudden now we're telling the story. And so SBTV has done everything from, write in your love questions and the band will answer them completely incorrectly to do science experiments and do them totally wrong to reenact famous favorite scenes from movies. Uh, And all of it is from this eye of, okay, they're out of place and they're making fun of everything because they are pure irreverence, right? So they're making fun of everything. They're out of place and then they don't know that they're out of place. So they're making fun of themselves as well. And as long as we're keeping those, Key tenants in mind, every piece of content we create, no matter what it is, is continuing to build that lore, build that story, establish that brand, Uh, and then when things happen, like a bass player is unable to make it to a show or to a tour, uh, you understand the world so entirely that we're able to say, "Oh, well, clearly he would just go to sex rehab," you know. And when he leaves the band, he clearly is going to continue his. Uh, pet grooming business called Sexy Lexi's Prettiest Pets, which is something that we had developed during the pandemic because we needed side jobs for the band to do as part of another piece of content we were making. So it it begins to to just build on itself. And then the other thing, I guess, that
1: I find really interesting and... And, and and I guess in using Steel Panther and Loire are not necessarily great examples, but, like, it's getting that buy-in from the band, too, that I think is really important. You know, getting the band to, you know, you come in with your really weird kind of stupid idea and getting the band to, like, agree that, okay, Jason has a really weird kind of stupid idea, but actually... We should maybe do this. How do
0: you get that buy-in? I mean, I think that it starts actually from the opposite direction. I think that the type of band and the specific type of band member who is interested in owning all of their intellectual property and building a business that supports it is the type of band that are, is that is already bought in. And right. so they're coming to the table very often with the ideas, and I'm helping bounce things. And then I'm. They're basically saying to me, "Here's this idea we've got. Make it happen, right?" So my job, as much as, as fun as it is, and sometimes I do get to be a part of the creative. My job even more is just simply executing and making sure, sure that this crazy, crazy idea actually gets done, which is a whole other problem, right? Well, and so, that's funny because it's, it's. Go ahead. Keep going. Sorry, I, I was just I was just going to say sometimes I am bringing ideas and and developing that relationship over time allows you to do that. But primarily, you know, this is the artist needs to know their brand and they need to, They it really has to start with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, the way I always describe it, like with um, this band I manage, Esquela Grind, it's like they're like this weird little creative explosion and I'm just sort of like the dad trying to make sure nobody gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, sometimes <laughs> that's that's, sort of... that is the case.
1: Which is cool though, because yeah. like they have all these really good ideas, and they just need someone who's like reads the contracts and is like,
0: okay, yeah,
1: let's just, let's and, go on tour. You with... know, but it's
0: so fun to do that, right? And it's so fun to do that. I mean, when we did when we launched the last album, um, we made a music video for a song called "I Want All I Want to Do Is Fuck Myself Tonight," uh, and right. that video is the most epic video that I've ever made. We actually shut down about a mile and a half of the Las Vegas Strip and put the band on the back of a semi driving down the strip full lights blazing with a camera car chasing them and everything and we i've talked about doing something like that my entire career i mean i I would say probably at least once a year my whole career there's been a conversation where somebody said let's put the band on the back of a truck and like the logistics of it is just mind-numbing from permits to cops to street like all kinds of stuff sure and that night we were rounding, it was like the semi with the band on the back of it, and then the chase car with the giant crane and the camera on it, a cop, and then me in a chase vehicle. That was like the line of us. And we were turning off of a side street onto Las Vegas Boulevard. And I I will never forget this. My arms were actually shaking because I was so excited that I was like, we are actually fucking doing this. That's you awesome. Know? And like, it finally happened. That's one of the. Right. That's it's so fun because it's like they came and said, "How do we get this done?" And I was like, "I don't fucking know," but let's figure it out. And then being able to execute it because you have the support system and because you have a, a band that says we're going to invest to make this happen and we believe in this idea because it came from them is is how you get to do crazy, crazy stuff like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which is cool, right? Because that's the that's part of the magic of this whole thing. Is like when it all comes together like that and you're in a chase car hoping nobody gets arrested and that you can fuck yourself tonight (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) yeah i mean you know sometimes the cops are involved sometimes they're not but you know whatever it takes to get it done
1: so like on this note you know um you were talking about how early on your approach with Lekberg enterprises was pretty forward thinking and pretty different, you know, where do you see this label as a service model going in the future? What do you think, how do you think it's going to evolve? And do you think it's just going to become the thing everyone does?
0: That's a, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I would say, I don't know that, that I was, more forward thinking than other people I think there were a lot of people that had this idea I think a lot of people thought it was too early I think maybe I was one of the few people that was willing to go risk it that early mm-hmm. um but I don't, I don't know that I invented the idea because I mean realistically sure the, the yeah. honest truth is that when, I, when yeah and when I was at Epic I saw Radiohead put out in Rainbows and Nine Inch Nails put out with Teeth and both those records they just put on their MySpace page and that was the point at which I said oh hey there's a business model here, you know, because they don't understand the rest of that infrastructure. Yes. They have, they can talk to the fan, but they don't understand how to do any of the rest of that stuff. Or if they do, it's so much work that it takes them away from being artists. So, you know, I didn't invent the idea, but I definitely was one of the first to go out there and be like, I'm going to put my butt on the line and let's make this happen. Um, Where it's going next. I don't think that it will ever replace a record label. And in fact, I don't, In any way, say that I am a a replacement for record labels or that I'm a record label killer or anything like that, because it takes a very specific mentality and a very specific person and band to be successful in this model. Uh, And I think one of the biggest challenges is that uh, breaking a band, as we know, is one of the hardest things to do in the music industry and requires a ton of money. uh, And most of them don't break that try and spend all that money you know that's a tough thing to do when you're completely on your own right and so yeah. uh for that use case record labels are still very very valuable and also there are many many musicians out there you and i have laughed about this a couple of times you know one of my favorite phrases is that most people didn't pick up a guitar to be responsible so they don't want to have a conversation with me about a pnl and a budget and whatever else and those people would rather sign to a record label um You know, there's a manager who I respect a lot in the music industry. Who I I I won't name him, but I I respect him a lot. And when I was very first starting my uh, launching my business, I came to L.A. to take meetings and try and land some clients. And he told me directly. He said, "I already take the risk for all of the touring and all of the merchandise. Why would I ever want to take the risk for records?" And I understand that mentality. There are certain people who just simply would feel safer not having to expend that money also. And of course they understand the pro- if you with big risk comes big profit. If you're successful, Sure. but they, but they look at it and say, I've got to keep this band together. I've got to keep them on the road. I've got to keep them sane. I don't want that risk. And I understand that. So I don't think that I would ever replace a record label. And I don't believe that, that anyone, I, I don't believe I will ever replace all record labels. Um, and I don't believe that everyone will get here. Uh, I think the, I think the future is going to be more and more bands doing this, and I, would, and I would hope to say that the future could be the public having more awareness about what it means to be an independent artist and what it takes and investing the energy to go sign up for mailing lists and to interact with bands on their site. And uh, to take that the couple extra seconds and buy directly from the band and things like that and get out of social media into the band's pool because it does not take a large number of diehard fans to build a sustainable business. It sure. does take a decent number, but but it doesn't take hundred thousand. You know, sure. so it takes I like five thousand. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think with yeah. five thousand you can cover your costs, and I think if you can hit thirty, you can be very successful. Uh, and, and and when you look at social numbers, those are massively different, right?
1: And I also think so. So so just something I want to touch on that you kind of just addressed uh, briefly is this idea of like it's just it's interesting because I think a lot of artists want to do something independently, but don't necessarily understand some of the limitations that labels kind of relieve for a, like, let's use um, Capra as an example, on Blacklight, right? Who you're familiar with, right? Like something like this in yeah. my eyes doesn't work for them simply because Capra don't sell enough units to merit like di- like real distribution. Right, which is like the upper limit. Steel Panther sell enough units that, you know, all the cool web stores in Europe are gonna be like, Yes, we'll we'll fucking do whatever you want. You know, and yeah. I think smaller bands don't have right. that luxury.
0: And that is the challenge, right? That is the real challenge, and, and that's where I hope that this goes, that that more people who are interested will understand the power that they have to help an artist by yeah. interacting with them directly, right? Um, because as as much as I like the cool record stores in Europe, I would rather have that customer come to my band's website so that I can talk to them again, and I exactly. can potentially sell them a shirt, and then I can sell them more cool things and whatever else. So you know, I I think it's really about educating the consumer, uh, and and look, th- this is always the balance. I talk to bands about this all the time because you can start now and you can start building your direct to consumer audience because. Every label you want to sign with is going to ask how many Spotify listens do you have? How many Instagram followers do you have? Are both of those numbers real and not fake? Right. And yeah. then they're gonna say, okay, once you're at a certain point, then we'll have a conversation with you. They want to see traction. Well, if you're already building that business, there is a tipping point at some point where you go, I'm making enough money. If I just keep this trajectory trajectory going, I'm not going to need a label because I'm going to be making enough money. You know, if that's how you feel about that. But there is that point in between where you're like, wow, our costs are really, really outpacing our revenue. (laughs) And like, what the hell do we do now? So that is a, it's a scary place. I mean, a hit song changes everything. So if you have a hit, you may jump a couple of steps. If you don't have a hit out of the gate, a label is a very good partner. And they, you know, they are in many cases, saints, for coming in and writing big checks and believing in bands at times when the public, uh, have not yet. And, and I'm, that's a vital part of music and it's a vital part of our music ecosystem. And, and I, I don't ever want to see it go away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Um, so yeah. So do you
1: have sort of any final words of wisdom or something you want to get into before we wrap this up?
0: uh final words of wisdom um you know i i think the only thing i would say is that i would mirror what we hear so many people saying right now which is that it is harder now to cut through the noise and to to break and to be a band than i think it has maybe ever been uh and i don't see it getting any easier anytime soon um so i would say that if you are a band with any kind of real serious we want, to, we want to be professional kind of mindset, you have to educate yourself. It's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not cool. But you've got to go get educated and learn about how this business actually works. Uh, and, and you will be happier for doing so. There are so many musicians I've worked with who have plenty of money and plenty of plaques on their wall and, and plenty of tours to go do, but still get tripped up when they don't understand some of the fundamentals of how the business works and it's upsetting to them. Uh, Partially because the music business is also insane, (laughs) but also because if you don't understand these things, it's difficult to operate within that uh, and make wise choices for yourself. So I think it is just a reality and there is no more write a song in your bedroom and get a check for a million dollars. Shit doesn't happen. Give it up, go get to work, learn uh and and then that will help you even if it doesn't help you in music it will help you in everything else you do so the more that's, educated we can be the more educated the artist can be the better absolutely and also just
1: for the record that's like what i kind of love the most about music is this notion of like i just like know how stuff works because i figured it out in music you know what i mean like yeah. be that screen printing be that a distribution business be that whatever you just learn you just pick these things up because you just do them and i think that's really valuable right like there's so many things like you and i have never like i mean i i don't fully know about you but i don't think you've ever had a non-music job at least like as an adult
0: oh i had plenty <laughs> oh okay i'm i'm also a lot older than you it took Nobody, me a okay i always thought you just like went to
1: do digital marketing but um
0: no i didn't. I didn't even, I didn't even go to college. I'm a high school dropout. Fair. <laughs> Speaking of education.
1: Um, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, I feel like there's so many like other jobs you can do if you just like learn how one business works and yeah. that's really cool and valuable. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on Jason. It's been, this has been really cool. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for having me, dude. See you later. Take care. All right, so that was awesome. Thank you everyone out there for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more, and above all, keep it heavy. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce
1: like our concerts on the corner series,
0: whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the corner of gray street.
1: One hit thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know each week.